0: All right. Take your Bibles, if you would. And uh, our text today is going to be from John chapter 12. But before I take you there, I want to uh, just give you a Bible principle that I think is very important with our election coming up Tuesday, okay? Some of you may be already voted early. That's fine. But I want you to see, and I, I've had the privilege, and I, and I really say this is, this has been a privilege. i Had the privilege of pastoring my first church for 12 years, and then where I've been in Decatur, I had the privilege for 34 years there. One of the things as a pastor that I always sought to do was to help my people understand and think biblically. Now, I'm bombarded every day on how I ought to be thinking. How about you? Isn't that right? I mean, if you watch TV, you listen to the radio, whatever you you, you go out on the internet, you're we're bombarded. But how? Do, what does the Bible have to say? And one of the things that I've heard down through the years as a pastor has been this: Well, God will do what He wants to do. God will get done what He wants to get done. And and I've and I've I've heard Christians say, Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I tell you? No, 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 no. I'm going to just show you what the Bible says, okay? Now, understand, our God is a sovereign God, right? I believe in sovereignty from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. He is God. He can do anything that he wants to do. But you know what? And I don't understand it, but he didn't make me a robot. And he didn't make you a robot. He gave us a thing called a free will. And do you know God will let you make some crazy choices in your life? God will let you do some stupid things in your life? God will let you jump off of cliffs if you want to jump off of them, if you're that dumb? That, I mean, God will, will do that. And I want, now, the, the, the context is Numbers 13, but in Psalm, David is writing about it, Psalms 106, and look at verse 15. And he gave them their request but sent leanness into their soul. You ought to mark that in your Bible. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Now, let me ask you something. Did God want the children of Israel to go right into the promised land, the land of flowing with milk and honey? Did he want that for them? But, and they had 10 guys that said, boy, the, the land, they brought back the, the produce of the land. I mean, it is flowing with milk and honey. Man, it's the greatest thing in the world. And, and and two of the guys said, let's go, Joshua and Caleb. Isn't that right? But 10 of them said, we can't do it, man. They've got, they've got giants in the land, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Don't you love how negative people exaggerate? And so what happened to them? God gave them their request. Amen. He gave them their request. And it sent what? Leanness to their soul. And let me give you a a, a great biblical principle here. In that 40 years in the wilderness, every man that was 20 years of age and above when they chose not to go in, died. Except Joshua and Caleb. You know why? Because... God held responsible those that were considered 20 years of age and above, and they didn't make the right choice. Amen? So, guys, let me tell you, our election coming up Tuesday, it's big news, man. It's big news. And you know what? (laughs) I'll make one more statement, then I'll quit. It really gets to me how that we... How many of you have ever had a major surgery? Did you ask the surgeon, or did you choose the surgeon according to his bedside manners? Or to his ability to cut you open, take care of you, sew you up so you can get on with life? I'm just telling you guys, there are so many biblical principles to talk about that, that are on the stake in this one. And you know what, as a Christian, I... My opinion. Listen, I've got my opinion. Okay, I've got it, and you've got yours too. And my opinion, your opinion are like our feet. Our feet. Thank God we have them, but they all stink. Right? They they stink. You may not think you're stink, but they do. Okay, as somebody that loves you enough not to tell you all the time, but they do. But there's some real biblical principles on the line. I mean, I mean sexuality's on the line. I mean the bible teaches that that marriage is between a man and a woman. Isn't that right? Yeah. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it's a serious thing. Did you see on the thing now where that uh, they're letting 8 and 10 year olds decide what their sexuality will be? Are we are we absolutely have we gone crazy in this world? Do you realize prosperity's on the line? You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that God honors those who work hard, they prosper. And he said that God blesses those that give their bread to the poor. See, that's the combination. But you hear the term today, shared prosperity. You're hearing that everywhere. You know what that means? That means take from those that have and give to those that didn't work to have. I mean, Thessalonians says, if a man don't work, he don't eat. I, I didn't write all of that stuff, Okay. And I could go on and on and on. So here's what I want to say to you. Just make sure that you understand. We will be responsible for who's elected. And we will pay the consequences for who's elected. Amen? Let me ask you something. Was the wilderness better for Joshua and Caleb than everybody else? No. It was just as bad on them as it was the rest of them. They just got to live. Amen? Amen? So, guys, vote. It's a privilege we have in this country. Go vote, and then, you know, don't leave your Christianity at the door when you go vote. Vote what you know the Bible teaches, because I'm telling you, whoever, uh, these things affect me, and they affect you as well. And that really does, I know you think it's crazy, but it really does lead right into our text today, okay? All right, I wanna pray though for our country. Let's pray together, would you? Father, I do pray. Thank you for these people. I, I. Lord, I I know that that they love you and they desire to to please you with their lives. And Lord, your word is our authority. Not what I think, not what they think, my opinion, your opinion, but what your word teaches us. And God, I realize according to your word, you will give us some things that we, we don't need because that's what we wanted. But we have leanness. To our soul. We have, we have starvation to our soul because of it. So, Lord, I do pray for this nation, and I pray, God, that that you will help us, help Christians to be the light and the salt that you've caused, called us to be. And God, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for it all. Now, Lord, I pray as we look at the life of Mary today that, Lord, you will put a desire in all of our hearts, to truly be used of you in this life. Lord, I know in my life and in Katie's life, as we've reached the retirement years, that God, you're giving us opportunities now that we've never had before. God, don't let us miss the opportunities you have for us. And God, there's young people here that have opportunities, don't let them miss it. And Lord, there's young couples here that have opportunities, don't let them miss it. There's the the, the middle-aged couples and the older couples like ourselves. Lord, you've given us opportunities, don't let us miss the opportunities we have in this life to love you and serve you and honor you like never before. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Take your Bibles to the book of John chapter 12, and I'm sorry you're having to stand so long, but I'm standing with you, so I know what that feels like. I just had a birthday this past uh, Sunday, last Sunday, and I'm 68 years old, and uh, I hurt places I didn't even know I used to have, but I'm thankful I'm alive. In John chapter 12, let's read it together, okay? And then I'm going to take you back over to the book of Luke. I'm going to lay the foundation, and then we're going to learn a few things together and be done. Does that sound okay with you? Does that sound all right? How many of you today would say, Brother Doug, the Bible is the authority of my life? Say amen. amen. Okay, and it is the authority of your life. It's the authority of my life. And listen, guys, you'll never go wrong believing what the Bible says, "Look what he says here, then six days before beginning verse one, before the Passover, uh, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those one of them that sat at the table with him. Now we find from Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel given us this same story. That they were in the house of Simon, the leper, who Jesus had healed, okay? That's where they are. Now look at verse 13. Then took Mary, this is the the sister of Lazarus. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, when I read 300 pence, you know what that means to me? Nothing. I, 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 I mean, that's 300 days wages. I can't, I can't hardly comprehend that today. If we could put it in our term today, then I could understand it. But the Bible, again, is one of the greatest interpreters of itself. Remember in John chapter 6 when Jesus fed the 5,000? They tell us that probably 20,000 people ate that day. Remember when he said to the disciples, Go get bread that these may eat? And they said, How? How? 200 penny worth would not buy enough food. Ah, now, now, oh, I, I can begin to associate that. A penny worth is the same thing as he talked about here when he said, a pence. So 300 pence would have more than fed the 5,000 one and a half times. Now, whoa, I can identify with that. I can can wrap that around my head, can't you? Huh? Now, I don't know, how, how many of you have taken somebody out to eat lately and paid the bill? Okay, have you noticed everything's gone up a little bit? Price of beef's up. For everybody but the farmer <laughs> okay so now watch it watch with me understand you can now associate whoo boy 300 pence is a whole lot of money now look what it said <clears throat> this he said not that he cared i'm in verse six for the poor but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Now, while we're still standing, just back over to the little book, uh, to the uh, gospel of Luke chapter seven. Luke chapter seven. And I'm gonna be real, real careful with the time here, okay? But in Luke chapter seven, I want you to see as we begin reading in verse number 16. Luke chapter seven. And let me make sure I'm at Luke chapter seven, okay? Verse 36, I'm sorry, verse 36. One of these days when Malcolm has to go to to bifocals, you'll fix all of this lighting on the platform here and at the Coleman campus, okay? Verse 36, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, And he went unto the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Do you see that in verse 36? Do you see that with me? Now, wait a minute. We know where he's at in Bethany. He's in the house of Simon the leper that was healed, right? He now, in Luke chapter 7, is in the house of a Pharisee. And behold a woman, excuse me, and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him, for she is a sinner. Now listen, she was a lady on the street, okay? She was she she had a bad reputation. But she had a good heart. I, didn't you love that last song? Uh, I think it was the last song that this is a place where all the sinners and misfits can come? Man, when you begin to sing that, you know, you know what I said to myself? I'm home. I'm at home. That, that, <clears throat> listen, it, all of us are sinners and misfits, right? And thank God that Jesus loved and cared about sinners. And Jesus answered him. Don't you, don't you just love it when, you, when people are thinking stuff and Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking? And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Now he's just, he's going to confront what this guy's thinking about. He said a certain creditor, a certain creditor had two debtors. One owed five hundred pence and one owed fifty. Now let me tell you something. The guy that owed five hundred pence could never, ever, ever, ever pay it. Then he went down to fifty, and then he talks about that they got both of them got forgiven. And he asked Simon the Pharisee, he said, okay, which one loved him most? And you know, the old boy answered it right. The one that was forgiven of most. Now get this. And I'm not going to read it all. You can go home and read it today. But here's what Jesus said. She has been forgiven of much. And she loves me much. Now, now listen to what I said. Please get this. Because if you don't, John chapter 12 is not going to have its power in, in, in understanding the principle here. She loved him, what was the word? Much. Say it with me. She loved him. And let me tell you, the word spread that a woman loved him so much that this is what she did. And I mean, it went. Uh, let me ask you something. Do you, do you think gossip is just contained in our generation? How about do you think talk happened back then? Now, we've got a little better way of communicating it. We've got Facebook and Twitter and and everything in the world you can think about. But word had to spread like fire that a woman who was a woman on the street, a terrible, sinful woman, but she loved Jesus so much that she anointed his feet and she anointed his body and she even wiped his feet with her hair that was the story now let me ask you one last question and then we'll let you sit down do you think that mary might have heard of that story huh you think word might have spread of what happened in the pharisee's house trust me it did and i'm going to show you just a moment you may be seated you know what <clears throat> I may not be as talented as you. I may not have the same social status as you, but there's one thing that I can do, and I can do it the very best that I know how, and that's love him. Obey him, love him, and serve him. There's nobody that can stop me, and there's nobody that can love him better than I can love him. Isn't that a good feeling? Isn't that a good thought? That nobody can love him more than I can love him. I can love him as much as I'm willing to love him. And he gives me opportunities to love him. And he gives you opportunities to love him. Now, I don't know how Mary uh, heard of what this sinful woman had done, but I believe with all of my heart that she had heard. And then we find in our text in John chapter 12 that Jesus is just, it's just days until he's gonna go into Jerusalem and he's gonna die on an old rugged cross. And Mary at that time, now the Bible said Martha's serving. But Mary, when she realized Jesus was in the house, Mary brings that alabaster box and she anoints Jesus' body. In our text in John chapter 12, verse seven said that she did it for his burial. Do you realize after Jesus had died and and on that third day or or after the, the, the Sabbath, they go down to anoint the body, but Mary isn't with them? You know why? Because she anointed his body when she had the opportunity. She didn't miss her opportunity. The Bible says in Matthew and in the book of Mark that everywhere the gospel is preached, What Mary did is remembered. I don't know about you, but I want to do the things that will live on after I die. How about you? You know, a survey was done a few years ago of people in their 90s. And they were asked, if you could do things over what what would be in the category of one, two, and three? What would you do? And the number one answer was this. If they could live their lives over, they would invest in things that would live on after they're gone. And I don't know about you, but guys, I want to invest in things that will live on after I'm gone. And there's three things that I can invest in that will live forever. Number one, I can invest in Christ. He's eternal. I can invest in the souls of men. Our souls are eternal. And I can invest in the word of God because the word of God will stand forever. Amen? But I'm gonna tell you something. Now, you may have built your house, but you bought the land that it's on. And so you got a you got a deed, you got an abstract. How many of you remember getting the abstract? Are we okay? Okay, how many of you have ever taken time to look at your abstract? Well, take some time to look at it and see who owned it before you owned it. And do you know what? If the Lord tarries in his coming, when you're gone, somebody else will own it. Somebody else, in that abstract, it'll have their name and they will own it. You see, my house is not going to live forever. My car is not going to live forever. My horse is not going to live forever. That My boat is not going to live forever. My barn's not going to live forever. Now, I'm not against having all of those things. Now, I don't have a boat, but I'm not against having all of those things. Listen to me. But what I'm telling you is this. I had better be investing my life in the opportunity to make a difference in the life of Christ and who he means to this world, in the souls of men to know Christ as Savior, and in the word of the living God that will never change. Invest in something that will last forever. Her story lives on. My story can live on, and so can you. So number one, she didn't miss her opportunity to anoint Jesus' body for the burial. Number two, she gave her very best now we we find in verse number 3 it's called spikenard. Now the word spike is is the word for genuine or pure. And the word nard is the word for perfume. And so in our text when it says that that uh, that that she had in verse number 3 she brought a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly, he's telling us that it is very very expensive perfume now again our text tells us how much it was somebody must have weighed it because it said there was a pound there was a pound of it there wasn't one ounce of it or and by the way how many of you have ever bought perfume for your wife and you got that little old bottle and it said about zero point zero something ounce for 45 55 dollars just i mean just a touch of that stuff But he said, I want you to know, there's a pound of this. There's a pound of it. It's very, very expensive perfume. And then he goes to tell us that that what does she do? Now, this is where that I really come in, and I I really believe that, that, that she was influenced by what was done in Luke chapter seven. Because what she does... As she wipes his feet with her hair, that's exactly what the other one had done. But in Mark's gospel and in, 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 in uh, Matthew's gospel, it says that she also anointed his head as well as his feet. Now, hang with me for a moment. Anointing the head was a custom of that day. When you come in, they, they, the, the anointing of the head, that's, that's something that most everybody would do, Okay. And the washing of the feet was also a custom of that day that, that people would come in and, and they have been traveling, their feet are dirty, and they would have a servant that would wash their feet. That's why when Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet, Simon Peter said, you're not gonna wash mine because Jesus had taken the role of the lowest servant that anybody could have. And Simon Peter said, not mine. And Jesus said, Simon, listen to me, oh boy, We know more Bible because you run your mouth so much. But he said, if I can't wash your feet, you're no part of me. And you know what Simon Peter said? Man, wash me all over. You know why? He was dirty all over. Just like I've been dirty all over, you've been dirty all over. We're all sinners and misfits, and thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen? So what does Mary do? Mary does what is the custom. But she does something that just caused almost everybody to... (gasps) catch her breath she took her hair down and it would have been long and it would have been pretty and she took her hair down and she began to wipe his feet with her hair do you know in that culture that that was a disgrace for a woman to do that for a woman to let down her hair in public was a disgrace but to let it down and get down on her knees and to rub a man's dirty feet with her hair was a disgrace of disgraces you say then brother Doug what's the Bible teaching? here's what the Bible said about Mary Mary didn't give a flip what you think and she didn't give a flip what they think she cared about one thing I want to please God Guys, let me tell you something. You can walk out of this door today and say, man, I wanna please God with my life, but I promise you, it will not happen if you're worried about what people think. Because I promise you, the devil will always have somebody to throw at you, somebody to try to stop you, somebody to try to discourage you. But when you do what you do because you love the one who loved you first, you'll hang in there. Are you with me? I mean, she lets down her hair and she, 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 she uh, uh, anoints his feet and she wipes it with her hair. She is unashamed. She's unhindered. She gives her very best. But there's another factor in this. Mary is a little girl, did what every little girl does. Now, I, don't, I didn't grow up a little girl. I grew up a little boy. I didn't grow up in the culture where I could decide when I was 8 to 10 whether I want to be a little boy or a little girl, okay? I was a little boy. I had a sister. I had a sister. But thank God I married a wonderful woman, and I've learned, and I had a, have a beautiful daughter, so I've learned a little bit about little girls, Okay? Okay? <laughs> You heard about the two two little boys in the first grade? See, I've done this for years. I get in trouble all the time. Two little boys in the first grade. One little boy said to the other little boy, said, how old are you? He said, I don't know. And he looked at him and said, how old are you? He said, I'm six. And the little boy that was six said to the little boy that five said, do you like girls? He said, no. He said, man, you're still five. (laughs) <laughs> you'll get it you'll get it so I don't like laughing in church well, I'll tell you what I wouldn't want to go to a church that couldn't laugh and couldn't cry and couldn't have a good time I believe all my life according to the Jewish custom that Mary as a little girl saved it was called a dowry she saved money she saved it Because one day she was going to buy the perfume that she would take on her wedding night. And she would pour that perfume on the bed on her wedding night. And when her and her husband would go in and consummate that marriage, that room, that bed would be filled with the aroma of the most expensive perfume she could buy I don't know how old Mary was you don't know how old she was Mary could have been engaged I don't know she she could have been engaged she could have had just around the corner when she's going to be married and boy I'm going to need that I'm going to need that perfume remember like the other day need that cookie I've got two and I'm, I'm going to need that one She had that perfume. She could have said, you know what? This perfume, man, I've got to hang on to that because I'm going to get married. And and on my wedding night, it's so important that I put, put that perfume on that bed because that's the culture. That's what my future husband's expecting and I want the best for him. But let me tell you what she did. She had an opportunity to anoint the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She had the opportunity to anoint the Son of the Living God And she took that opportunity. You said, well, what about about when she gets married? You know what she believed? She believed that God could take care of that. Do you know what? I believe that if I will take every opportunity God gives me and I will obey God and I'll love God and I'll serve God, that God will take care of everything else. Do you believe that? How many of us have heard testimonies of people that when they began to learn to tithe, and by the way, you have to learn to tithe, okay? by, By nature, I'm selfish. By nature, I'm a thief, and so are you. I had to learn to. You say, "How do you learn to tithe, Brother Doug?" You learn that if you do what God told you to do, that God can take better care of you and ninety percent of what you have left. That you then you can take care of a hundred percent. How many of us have learned that? And I don't understand it. I don't even know how it works. But let me tell you, it works. And you know what? She believed that if I will, I'm gonna to give to God. This is my opportunity and I'm gonna to give to God. I'm, I have an opportunity to do this and I'm gonna do it and I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. I know who's in control of tomorrow and if I'm obedient today, he will take care of me Tomorrow. And I believe with all of my heart that God in heaven did just that. You see, we have opportunities. We have opportunities. You know, when I got saved, God called me to preach. Man, I'm so thankful God called me to preach. But I promise you, I I, I had a path I was on. If you if you know me, I'm, I'm always planning. I, I mean. I, I don't do anything without knowing why I'm doing it. I just I, I was I I, I just made that way, and I was on an opera, I was on a path of going into the business world, and God called me to preach, and I changed directions. I had an opportunity to do something that I normally would never have had. And, and, and I've never regretted it. I'm thankful for it. Are you listening to me? I've had people say to me, Doug, if you'd have gone into the business world, you'd be a multi-millionaire. Let me tell you something. God put me into the church world and God helped me in the church world that he called me into to raise millions and millions and millions for the cause of Christ. Are you with me? I just didn't get it. By the way, I'm glad I didn't get it, Pastor. I wouldn't have known what to do. Would you know what to do with all that money? I wouldn't know what to do with all would, how many of you would know what to do with all that money. Good night. I'd do something stupid. What'd you say? <laughs> I I got that boat. (laughs) Hey, listen, I've had a boat. You know, the happiest two days of your life, the day you get it and the day you sell it. (laughs) You know what? I got to thinking about it several years ago. I didn't go into the business world to make money for Doug. But I went into the world that God had, and into that world, we made money for God and the cause of the kingdom. Amen? And you know what? I've had people say, well, I just don't feel comfortable talking about money. Well, I feel very comfortable talking about money because I'm not asking for one penny of it for me. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. I couldn't, listen, I get tongue tied. I break down, I, I mean, I, I break out in a cold sweat if I'm asking for me. Because I just can't ask for me. I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I'm, a, I'm a horrible receiver. I'm a great giver. I'm a horrible receiver. Are you with me? I'm a horrible Receiver but it's never bothered me to talk about it because I'm not asking one dime for me. I'm asking for the cause of Christ, listen to me, and for the blessing and anointing of God on the giver. <laughs> Paul writes over in the book of Philippians, you know, we quote this, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Well, let me tell you something. That, that promise don't work if you don't give. It, it, that promise was to the giver of missions. Well, I've never heard that before. Well, sweetheart, I've never been up under houses before, but I know there's some stuff up under them. Okay, just because you've not been somewhere doesn't mean there's not something there. You've heard it now. But in that same text in the book of Philippians, you know what he said? He said that it may be to your account. Now, hang on to this. This is so exciting. Just like with Mary. Here's what I believe God did. When Mary took that oil and poured it on the body of the Lord Jesus, on his head and on his feet, she was, she was saying, this is more important than my wedding night. This is more important than my Jewish culture. And according to Philippians, here's what I believe God did for her because God did it for me, and he did it for many of you here today. <clears throat> God opened an account for her in heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've got an account in glory. Now, you know what the Bible said? The Bible said put into that account. Thief can't break in and steal it. Moth can't eat it up. Rust can't corrupt it. Isn't that, isn't that what the Bible said? Amen. Now, it, it, I'm putting in that account. I'm, I'm sending to that account. And I'm going to tell you right now, the rate on my investment, the ROI, will shock you of what God's doing. You say, well, how much you got up there? I don't know yet. But one day I will. Let me ask you something. What do you think glory was like when old Mary breathed her last breath and then went out to see Jesus again face to face? Huh? Listen, don't miss your opportunity. And then, number, let me, let me give you number three. Notice the attitude of the world. Verse 4 through 6. You know what the world says? This is crazy what a waste. Isn't that, isn't that what Judah says? What a waste. What a waste. Let me tell you something. You've never wasted anything you gave to God. And by the way, let me tell you something I've learned about God. He keeps incredible books. You see, you see this thing of giving your best to God, you're always going to have the attitude of the world coming in and say, man, this is crazy. This is crazy. Why are you doing it? This is crazy. But I promise you, it's never crazy to land on God's side. And then number four, and I'm done, the traits of a committed life. There's three traits. Number one, a committed life is more than lip service. That's what James was talking about in James chapter two. We don't just talk about it, but with the grace of God, we do it and we get it done. Amen. Number two, something cheap is never enough. You got to give your best. You know what I found a committed life. We don't want to give God leftovers. Now, I, let me go on record. I love leftovers. I don't know. I, I've got a good friend of mine that that his, if his wife they, they, she can, she's a good cook, and no matter what they didn't eat, she got thrown away or give it away because he will not eat leftovers. Now, if he'd have been raised up in my house, he would have eaten leftovers. I had one of those daddies that put you down at the table and put food in front of you, and you didn't get to get up until you ate it all. You said, well, what if you jumped up and run? He caught you. And, you, you know, you only ran from my daddy one time. It was never a good thing to run from him. Now, I, I, I like leftovers. I, I do. I, I like leftovers. My wife, uh, she plays tennis over in Huntsville, and she said, well, the, the ladies, we ate <coughs> ate lunch together, but I brought you home leftovers. <laughs> I, uh, anybody here like leftovers besides me? I, I, man, I love leftovers. And my wife makes a chicken casserole. She said, where'd you get this? Listen, I'm, I'm just talking now. She makes a chicken casserole that's better the second day than the first day. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, I love to eat leftovers, but I'm gonna tell you something. I'm not gonna give God my leftovers. I'm not gonna give God what I didn't want. You see, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You say, well, Brother Doug, I wanna learn how to tithe. Then tithe before you ever pay a bill. Put the 10% before everything. Put, put Always put God first, and I promise you, everything else will work out. So you see, when, when we're really committed, it's more than lip service. There's real action to it. And we don't give God leftovers. We give God our best. But here's the third thing. If we're really committed, just giving some is never enough. We want to give it all. Do you know what God wants? God wants all of me. He wants all of you. Amen. He wants all of us. And by the way, let me ask you something. How many of you would be honest with me today and say, Brother Doug, life is extremely complicated? Say "What is it complicated? Raise your hand. Do you think it's complicated? How many of you need some help navigating through it? Huh? How many of us, when we got married, knew how to be married? None of us. How many of you would be honest and say, when we got married, we were dumber than a rock? How many of you, when you had kids, were a child psychologist? And you knew all about it. Let me tell you, if you were a child psychologist and you had kids, you found out what you'd been teaching was wrong. I mean, we didn't know how to do any of it, did we? Huh? And we, how do we navigate through life? How do we, we, we don't know how, but let me tell you something. We need help and we can get help. I want God right in the middle of my life. I don't want to add God part of my life. I want God running the show because you know what? He can do what I can't do. I love to tell true stories. I want to give you one. How many of you know of George Beverly Shea? How many of you have ever heard of George Beverly? How many of you have ever heard of Billy Graham? How many of you have ever watched a Billy Graham on TV? A lot of you haven't. Maybe, Maybe they'll run one by. But there was an older man that had an incredible baritone voice that for 50 years sang right before Billy Graham preached. His name was George... Beverly Shay. Now, George Beverly Shea was a great musician. He had an opportunity to go into the secular world with his voice and probably make millions and millions of dollars. He was an accomplished pianist, and he was in that time of of, of trying to know what do I do? God, do I do I I, I, I can make money? I can, I can make money, but but do, do I do I take this voice and talent and I use it for God? God, what do I do? And his mother, a very godly, godly woman, got a poem one day that she had found, and she laid it on the piano. And she knew that he had sat down sometime during that day to play the piano. Every day he would play that piano. And she put that poem on the piano. And she knew when he sat down to play the piano, he would see the poem. And he sat down that day, and he looked at that poem... And he began to play the piano. And let me read some of the poem to you. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be true to his dear cause I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-scarred hands than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And history tells us the decision he made. As a young man, he dedicated his life, and God gave him an opportunity to have literally world outreach with the great evangelist, Billy Graham, an opportunity he could have missed, but he didn't miss it. And I don't know what God's doing in your life. I don't know what opportunities God is setting up in your life, but listen to me, don't miss it. Don't miss miss the opportunities that God has given to you.